I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. All right, we're back with part two of the Beatitudes. We are uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount and the heart of it. And last week we did a lot of intro to it, which was really fascinating to think about who was listening to this uh, some of the setup and and Jesus's um, uh, focus when he when preaching this sermon. Uh, now we're going to get into the heart of the heart of this sermon, the Beatitudes. Uh, Jim, you want to read it? Do you want to read the um, section we're going to be covering now? Sure. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter five, it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Awesome. Thank you. Let's dive in now. So, we talked last time about how Jesus is doing a new Moses kind of thing here, going up on a mountain, just like at Sinai, giving the people the law of the, the kingdom, right? Or the, the kingdom of heaven here. Uh, how do the Beatitudes mirror the Ten Commandments? And how do they differ from the Decalogue? What do we learn from these kind of comparisons? Yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Um, to me, it was the part that, felt pretty simple um, was Jesus is doing a similar thing to Moses in that he's saying, hey, remember these things. <laughs> like if you forget mm-hmm. anything else, <laughs> like this is this is the crux of it. Um, and that feels like a, a very key similarity. It's easy to remember the Ten Commandments. It's easy to remember the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. It can be easy to forget you know, once you get into the long paragraphs, but like it's arranged, um, it's arranged in a list, it's arranged poetically, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's helpful. Um, But to me, the thing that feels different, right? Like the, the 10 commandments are just that they're like, they're commandments. They're do this, don't do this. And there's, Mm -hmm. for some of them, there's some reasoning given. Um, But Mm -hmm. with Jesus, he's, he's more, he's talking about, qualities, right? He's mm-hmm. talking about who's who's up, who's down, right? He's like upending a, a way of think, seeing the world. Um, and so that has, in, in some ways, there's like very clear kind of practicals, if you will, coming out of the Beatitudes. But in other ways, the Beatitudes are just like the foundation Mm-hmm. For all of the the practicals that are going to come out yeah. of yeah. the the rest thrown out, yeah, I think that I I think that you're right about that, Tim. I, I uh, that the the Ten Commandments sort of lay the foundation, but there's a lot more in the law that expands upon it. 
and that builds upon it. Um, and it's very similar here um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus builds upon these um, beatitudes. I think that um, one of the ways that they are different, you know, when you look back at the Ten Commandments, um, there is a very um, literal, literally negative bend mm, yeah. to the Ten Commandments. Yeah, Most of not. them are, don't do this, don't do yeah. this, don't yeah. do this, and don't do this. And um, that is, and I'm not saying that it's negative in the sense of wanting to make us feel bad, but it's negative in the sense of it's not a, um, it's not, it's not expressed positively. It doesn't say, you know, be pure and be in a good relationship with your wife. It says, don't covet somebody else's wife. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, and I think the Beatitudes are sort of the opposite of that. They say, this is who you are to be. This is how you, mm -hmm. this is, it, there's not, there's not, in the Beatitudes, there's not, uh, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's more, this is who you are to be. This is what's to come from the inside. It's almost like the, the commandments are like, this is how you act. And the Beatitudes are, this is who you are to be. Mm. Yeah, oh, I like good. that. So I, I think uh, a similarity is they both kind of start at the beginning of their ministries, um, and they both yeah. sort of outline how this thing they're doing is going to operate, right? Yep. Right. Like yeah. Jesus is saying, hey, all these people you think are outside, we're bringing them inside. And Moses said, here are the rules we're going to have for this thing we're doing. So I think, I think mm -hmm. they're very good. They're both can be seen as like almost a pronouncement of how it's going to work mm -hmm. going forward. I actually think there's a huge difference here, and this is a big one to me, um, is that when Moses gave the Ten Commandments, Israel had like left Egypt, but I don't know how much of a concept they had of God, who he was, yeah. what he thought. I mean, generations removed from their last people who really, we have any record of walking with God. So they know they're different. They know they're Hebrews. They know they're that. I don't know what they knew about God. Mm -hmm. And so they had, I have a hard time uh, saying they actually had any concept of who God was right. and what he wanted from them and what he wanted to do with them. And so Moses is literally building a nation of people who know nothing of God into this thing that is going to honor God. And that's, Maybe why he starts with a negative mm. bent of like, here's some things he ain't supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, <laughs> because you don't know, I'm helping you out. Mm -hmm. right. Here's what not to do. It's like uh, yeah. your little kid, right? You yeah. can't explain to them, cars are dangerous, blah, blah, blah. You just say, don't go on the road. Exactly. No, I, I say, you hold my hand when we're in the parking lot. <laughs> right. Why, daddy? Because I said so, exactly. but because yeah. I said so. Yeah, I think, you, I think that what you said, Jim, makes me think. Um, that, you know, who Moses was talking to. He's talking to people who are slaves. Yeah. They're huh. ex-slaves. And huh. that what a slave would hear mostly is these are the limits on your personhood. Yeah. This is what you cannot do. And that maybe that's why the language is so... Um, 
so negative is because what they are used to hearing is negative. Now, again, he's going to expand it yes. to be able to say this is this is who you really are. But where he starts is where the people are. And they're in this mode where all my all my existence, I have been told what I need to do and told with the very harsh limits of what I get to do. And that if he were to if he were to take them out of the land of Egypt and start with blessed are the they would not have they wouldn't uh-huh. have had a frame of reference for that. What do you mean? They would say, "What are you talking about? Did you you got the wrong group? I think you meant the Egyptians when you said yeah. that they're the ones who are blessed. We're slaves." Van, now you make me want to do another one of these on that part of the Bible, which don't tempt me because I want to. Um, <laughs> do I, it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go. Um, no, I I also think it's a very it's it's important to recognize that if G. I think Jesus was talking to his disciples, um, and we can. Hmm. There's some things we can do on that, and we talked about that last pod. But this idea of following God and honoring God was not new to them. Right? They were trying to do that. They were doing everything they could to live out Torah in their lives. Obviously, we can critique the way they were doing it. Uh, I'm not a fan of that, but like. They were trying, whereas the Ten Commandments was like, this was entirely new to, like Mm -hmm. Van said with the people who Moses was talking to. And Moses is going, yeah, this is what you can handle. I can handle giving you a list of things you ain't supposed to do, so don't do them, and then we'll work on the rest later. You know, it's kind of funny, like I was thinking the last podcast we did, Jim, where you brought out that there are people here that, um, from the Decapolis or whatever, that probably would have no... Uh, inkling of religious, you know, background like the Pharisees, definitely, totally. Uh, and it, I was thinking, what this got me thinking also because we we've been doing this backwards and we're ending with the Beatitudes. It got me thinking of the end and how people were astonished at his teaching. Mm-hmm. And so that there is an element here, I think, where it is new, right? He's he is. I think the Hebrews writer talks about Jesus being a son over the house versus Moses, a servant in the house. And I think. Mm-hmm. There is an element here of of his authority that that the way he's approaching would be new to someone who just had the Torah too, like oh, it's, yeah. it's a absolutely it's a it, like he does this too like when he summarizes uh, the greatest commandments the Shema and and Leviticus nineteen about your it's the same it feels like the same kind of thing like a summarization of all of <laughs> here's what it is the main things your relationship with god your relationship with people right and i, I you kind of see that again with these two and you, and you see it on the you you have heard it it was said but i say to you i mean that's that's yeah. a ra- that's a rabbinical way of saying like i'm bringing out something new that's big that you haven't heard before and like that that's not a thing that every rabbi got to like had the right to do in their world yeah so like there i think uh, there are definitely things that jesus is bringing out that are new and that are expound on what the people already knew i guess the point the point i was kind of going for was that with the 10 commandments of moses they had no background in anything they were as pagan as pagan as functionally pagan they were as pagan as pagan could be and now the people Jesus is talking to probably have Torah memorized 
they probably have a fair portion of the text memorized. Definitely some of the people in the and, would, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, his followers probably do. And they are actively trying to live it out. They're, they're, they're already trying to engage in the work. Whereas in Moses, it was just like, here, now, now you're here. We're in the desert together. What are we going to do? Yeah. How's this going to work? You know, I think the other thing that I'm drawn to in, 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 comparison to, in comparing these two, well, first of all, uh, I didn't like that there were 10 and then there was only eight. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it should be the same number. Uh, that, that, might, that, might be, that might be an invitation, though, to look at, to look at some of the, the differences, too. I think, I, yeah. think that's, I think if it was supposed to be, a, uh, again, in a Jewish mindset, if it was supposed to be a perfect analog, there would have been, there probably yeah. would have been 10. So that's probably an invitation yeah. to dig in and look well, at differences. And I think we see, like, I think by doing that, you do see some structural differences. I think you mentioned it was poetic, Tim. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right. There's, it is, a, it, it's very tight. It begins and ends with this uh, promise of the kingdom of yours is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in the first, there's like for the first four and the second four, seem like the first floor first force to me seem like they're uh the blessedness of of emptiness right like mm-hmm. like you're you're seeing your need for god so it's in relationship to god and then the the second four seem like ah uh, if you're filled up now you're you're are we doing the structure talk now you're you're going into right. uh you know uh your relationship with others and i think i see that also in the 10 commandments i see the first Five, well, the, especially the first three are related in your relationship to God. And then this, the next two are the only two that are positive, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're remember the Sabbath and honor your father and mother. And it, it relates to God in a sense as well um, uh, as others. Um, the Sabbath was definitely so you could worship God. It was a time where you, you don't have to do work and you can focus on God. But it's also like a blessing for everyone around you, right? Anyway, uh, so there's that knuckle, uh, and um, can I can I ask a question real quick? Do, yeah, sure. Do we want to do the structure talk now? Because I have a lot of thoughts on that, unsurprisingly. Because I know <laughs> I know it's uh, I know it's coming up later. So well, we'll. I think we should dive into each of them, but I think it's okay to bring out like the general, like how do we see this like uh, structure? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about. I don't know. We've still got some time. We could we could hit some of it now. All right. Uh, so I, I think with the structure, um, Matt was mentioning kind of the structure of the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments. Um, one thing I think is interesting with the Beatitudes is what you said is, uh, and this has always kind of bothered me with with kind of we say, well, he goes from you know internal to external, and then he goes right back to pure in heart and what should be the external section. Right, like mm-hmm. that's supposed to be how we engage the world, not things that are internal to us. Um, so that bothers me about the structure a little bit, and I think Matter Tim mentioned that he goes Kingdom of Heaven, and because it seems like we kind of have a front half and a back half to a Jewish reader, they would go, "Oh, we have these two bookends for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven." So there's probably something in there that would be a chiasm that mm-hmm. which means they're trying to get into the they're trying to get us into the middle of that and we'll yeah. kind of pick that up a little bit 
Um, but that's where they're trying to get to focus. But it's always bothered me because I always said, oh, yeah, Jesus goes who you are internally. And then he goes, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, that's kind of internal. Okay, merciful. I can't internally be merciful. Mercy doesn't work if I don't, if it's not active. But then he goes right back to bluster the pure in heart. And that's very much internal. But it also can be, I think it can be both. It can be, both, but it doesn't and, and necessitate. And is, 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 is all of these things, I think. There, there is a both to it, but if we're say, but then, then we come to the problem of we're saying they're how we are internally, and then it's how we engage with people, right? If we're well, so let me rephrase that. rephrase that then. Um, if I thought of the first four as seeing your need, right, and then, and I think you're right about the chiasm that like, and it's not a, it's like, okay, it's we, the, we can get the, to the point the, of that the, later. the knuckle between four and five. Uh, where you're, you you hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then you and then uh, you'll be filled. I think there's a sense of you, because it's almost it reminds me of Romans 12 about how in view of God's mercy, then we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, and and I think that uh, it's there's something about that here too. Like you've you see your need, you are filled, and then you because you're you you see your, you've received mercy you show mercy because you you have this and we'll talk about it, all of these kind of things i think yeah. we'll drill into them um but the purity that you um your vision your uh unadulterated vision of god now you're able to view other people differently and see the world differently sure and that's part of it i i just think if we're if we're i i always have had a hard time because i've heard these gone as you know, the first four are internal, and then it's, and then it's external. It's this engagement that's necessary with the second four. And I'm like, well, pure in heart doesn't necessi- necessitate. <laughs> that's a hard word to say. It is a hard word. Uh, it doesn't necessarily necessitate engagement with other people. It can be a very internal. Th- it is a very internal thing. So I, I've always been bothered by that sort of. And I've used that explanation. I've had that, and I think recently I've become a lot more bothered by like, well, if if well, that is, and well, maybe I maybe it's uh, maybe one another way of thinking of it is a regenerated life, right? Like a restore, like you're sure now you've got new life, right? Yeah, I I also think this is a good time to point out we don't have to explain problems away. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I I see a problem there. I don't need to explain it away. I can, we can actually let the problem sit because the problems again if this is to a jewish audience uh problems are where you find the good stuff Mm -hmm. to them and so like wrestling with i'm still wrestling with why it's it's set up this way like why did matthew choose to to set the beatitudes up in this way i have some theories i'll we'll get to those in a few minutes but I think the uh, sorry to go on the the structure. No, no, tangent. no. This is great, um, and, and I think this is where we get in the discussion here. We get to we wrestle with some of these things. That's yeah. more interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm. So I think I I don't have I don't want to I don't have an answer, and I don't need to have an answer. I'm just kind of saying this is a little this this feels odd. Yeah. To me, we don't need to have an answer, but it's it's but it's also highlighting a ooh. I should. I should there. investigate this. Not just. A, I don't. I don't need. I don't have an answer, and I can just move on. Yeah. No, <laughs> right. It should and bother I, you in a good way. It, yeah, and it. I think a, a good way to handle this is to go. 
you know, if, if we're saying the engage the world versus or the uh, internal versus engaging people, it doesn't quite seem to fit. And there's probably something there. I, I, that's kind of where I, I, I tend to that's where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. I reserve the right to change that in the future. So, yeah. Sorry for the tangent. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I, it helped me to think about this because I've been um, I've been reading another book by uh, G.K. Beale about uh, New Testament theology and looking at tracing through major themes in the Bible. And one of them is this um, concept of of bringing uh, of creation, bringing order out of chaos, and uh, that that's what we see in Genesis. And then where we partner with God in in you know the the first great commission of Genesis one, uh, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. That this is a a partnership of bringing order out of chaos, and and so there is a new life that we're invited into mm-hmm. in Jesus. Suddenly we've got. Boy, we are going on a tangent here. Yeah, yeah I, I, I <laughs> wanted to take a back. step back. Yeah, but you want to finish? I'll just finish. Just saying, like, yeah, this is. It, I'm. I, I see that here too, in a way that we're broken in a sense. Like we are. If we are honest, we we have a a deep need for God. We were created to be image bearers, and and when we when we actually see what our greatest desire is, if it's not God. Um, and we can be honest with that, uncomfortable as it is. Mm-hmm. Well, then we have a chance of being filled with God and being an image bearer and then going out into the world and, and being as we were created to be. Mm. Yeah. Bring us back in. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I just want to give a little bit of like context because it's when it's funny for, for some, so if someone's listening to this, right. And they're like, wait, someone's listening to this. <laughs> and they're like, okay, they're lost now. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. My fault. But yeah. But they're like, why is Jim getting so excited about structure? Right? Like there's, there's, there's a legitimate question there. Right. I'm a nerd. And yeah, but I don't think it's just that you're a nerd. There's when we look at, um, what are we trying to do with this whole podcast? We're trying to understand what Jesus is talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yeah. And a lot of the things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount are, they're like, it's exposition, right? And there's a lot to draw out, which is why we're like 60 episodes in on this thing. <laughs> but there's, with the Beatitudes, um, they they scream at you. There is more to these words than what just the words are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, these are things to sit with. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to sit with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs of the kingdom of heaven for a long time. Right. And it also is very clear, okay, if I just look at one of these in isolation, I'm going to miss something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are meant to be seen as a unit mm-hmm. that are Ooh, bringing us towards a fuller understanding yeah. of, mm-hmm. I think, because of the bookends, on the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so we're getting like, you know, super excited. Like, oh man, what does it mean? Like, what's the structure? Because <laughs> we're like, we think there's treasure there, right? There and, yeah. and it would make, so, and everything you said, it makes so much sense because this is how Jew, the Jewish people yeah. at that time consumed. They did bookends. They left breadcrumbs. They left little hints. It wasn't yeah. 
Like it wasn't a like again I, to use the neon sign analogy. Like ding ding ding, here it is. And they also didn't consume the text the way we do. We consume the text in proof texts, mm-hmm. in like little snippets of things with no context. They don't consume it that way. They look through the whole thing and try to yeah. find the, you know, the the themes in the whole thing, not just the themes that seem to be there when we clip mm-hmm. them out of context. Oh, and yeah. so I think, yeah. Tim, you make a great point that like we get excited because there really looks like there's something there and everything yeah. we know about how the people hearing this thought, there probably is something there and we yeah. want to figure out what that is. Yeah. yeah. And even like just from a just from a good teacher standpoint, right? Like Jesus is not trying to just give information to people, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. his disciples. Jesus is trying to train his disciples to follow him yeah, and doing a very different thing. And so Jesus is looking for behavior change and heart change mm. in these people. And you don't get that from giving people information. No, in the, I'm in the middle of my job right now. I'm oh my like gosh, that's a great trying point. to figure out how to get a bunch of engineers who have spent their whole life just looking at kind of stuff from the historical past to build infrastructure. And my job is to get them to start thinking a little bit more about the future. And maybe there's (laughs) some changes coming in the future because of the climate, right? And I can't do that by just giving them numbers. (laughs) Like if I, if that's all I do, it's going to be a total failure. Mm -hmm. And I'm wrestling with that. But Jesus is, he has given us something that is designed to get our gears going. Yeah. And so I just I feel like it, that's really helpful because it's sometimes easy for me to get lost in the weeds, right, on any particular thing. But like the point of this is I'm trying to sit with this powerful framework, powerful poetry that Jesus gave me. Yeah. To align my heart and my mind and my life closer to his. I love right? that. I think that's something that is, um, I, I I think maybe I'm going to speak for all of us. We tend to probably be more on the in, like logical, mm-hmm. this, let me make my statement. And this is, if it's logical, people will listen mm-hmm. and they'll just see, oh, it must be this. I, that, but that's not how people work. Like, I wish more yeah. people were like, okay, uh, facts, good, do it. Let's do it. But that's not, that's not, that's not it. how we do it. <laughs> we, we ha- and, and I think that what Jesus is doing, he re- recognizes that uh, the best appeal is not going to be one to, to just pure logic, a bit, but like your heart. And, and, and uh, I think uh, that notion, that word for heart in, in this context would encompass the mind, yep. but also your, your, your seat of, of uh, feelings, who you are in the core. And so he, I love that he, you you use the word poetry because that it's what it is. He's speaking yeah. to your heart. Mm-hmm. That's gonna that's gonna change you much more than hear your facts. Mm-hmm. We should probably end this one. I I know I think we're we, right at time. We, I think we we, uh, we we got to end it here. Um, I wish we could keep going. We'll have to come back to more. There's more structural stuff to look at okay. here. Uh, this has been fun. Thanks, guys. Good stuff, boys. Um,